Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> I'd like to welcome you to our show, the critically acclaimed. I like this young man. <laughs> We're from Ashy. <laughs> We're from Ashy. The Clashy. These gentlemen. These gentlemen are on the Black Psychologist Podcast. They went from ashy to clashy. <laughs> y- y'all know y'all appreciate that. I am one half of your humble and gracious host, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I and I am he. And of course, by now, you guys know I'm never here by myself. I'm here with the one and only. Big things popping and little things stopping. Dr. Jason Coleman. How are you, good brother? It's good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good, brother. You know what I mean? You, you came in with the with the biggie, you know, line. I had to interrupt you just because you know, I felt it in my soul. So, yeah, of course. You know, to anybody that doesn't get the reference, I feel sorry for you. You need to do your homework. But, you know, for everybody else who, who appreciated that nostalgia, you know, we get it. You know? Absolutely. But I'm good, man. I'm good. Absolutely. How was your uh, weekend, bro? Everything is cool, man. It's hot. We're in the middle of a heat wave right now. So... Um, I'm, uh, that's pretty much the only reason why I go to work is for the free air conditioning, you know? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that, that man, it's hot trying to stay cool. Uh, but it was pretty chill, pretty laid back. How was yours? It was good, man. I can't complain, man. It's, it's funny. Cause speaking of that, you know, like working in the hospital, like the temperature is usually irrelevant for me. Right. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm ironing my clothes. I'm going to have on a sweater tomorrow, bro. Mm-hmm. In the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the temperature is irrelevant, man. Yeah, you're going to see they only have two extremes. You got these, it's either blazing hot or it's freezing cold. Like, you can walk in there with with a short sleeve or a tank top, but you absolutely need to have your sweater with you while you're in there. Oh, yeah, and my spot is always cold, so yeah. So, I'm listen, I'm not mad at them on a day like this. I'm cool with that, yeah, you know. And as, as usual, we absolutely want to thank all of our uh, all of our listeners and supporters and subscribers. Our First time, long time listeners. Uh, we appreciate the support, appreciate the feedback. We're seeing some new people out there comment on YouTube. We're seeing some, uh, you know, adjusted and uh, more volume on the um, on the other streaming platforms. So we appreciate it. Love the feedback and uh, yeah, keep it rolling. Um, listen, definitely humbled by the support. Um, like I like I always say, I'm always take the time to say it. Like, you know, we thank everybody who takes the, the hour every week, you know, out of their day to listen because they could be listening to anything else. So I'm always going to be humbled by the support and appreciative of, you know, the texts, DMs, things that we get and support. Um, but we got another milestone coming up, man. Twenty five uh, thousand thousand uh, views coming up. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's looking good. You know, looking good. And you, too, could be a lucky listener and watcher. Um, you continue to watch. You get a free session with Dr. J. Like, he'll come yeah, to <laughs> <laughs> mobile therapy right here. Listen, yeah. That's how it'll go. You know? Yeah, right. 
<laughs> Before we get started, Jay, uh, I absolutely want to give a special acknowledgement. I meant to do this um, past couple episodes, but for um, Melody Hobson, she actually became the first black female NFL minority owner for the Denver Broncos uh, last month. So for those people that aren't familiar with Miss Hobson, she's a Princeton grad. She's the uh, chairman of Starbucks Corporation, and she's a director at J.P. Morgan Chase. So absolutely, she is, um, you know, a pioneer. She's absolutely making some things happen, especially in NFL, where we don't have any representation on the uh, on the owner front. So she's doing it. So absolutely a special acknowledgement and um, props to her because she is doing her thing and, it, and it's good. Hopefully this is a trend and uh, of things to come. So we'll see. Well, that's definitely good news. Um you know, like I said, you're teaching me something with that. I definitely didn't know that. So, you know, definitely big things. And, you know, like I always tell the, you know, people, the younger people continue to climb, you know, so. Absolutely. Um, we got a lot to discuss and uh, pertains to a lot of legal situations. All right. So we'll, we'll start it off with, um, with this guy, uh, R. Kelly. All right. It's been, it's been a long time coming. So recently, R. Kelly received 30 years in federal prison for sex trafficking, racketeering, uh, in addition to kidnapping, sexual misconduct, bribery, and sexual exploitation of a child. Now, in addition, uh, according to reports, Kelly will also be, uh, he'll be in his 80s if he serves this full 30-year sentence. Um, in addition to that sentence, if he survives um, for sex abuse, he was ordered to undergo counseling for an unspecified sexual disorder when he's free. All right. Um, so now he's also on trial. He'll be facing a second trial in August on charges that he possess uh, child sexual abuse images and pornography. So even in August, he could have more charges and things. Um this has been a long time coming for me, uh, Jay. Like, you know, like, I remember the videos came out, like, what was that, late 90s, early 2000s, when that 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 came out, and it's been the back and forth with interviews and documentaries and so on and so forth. Um, and I feel like um, him receiving or being mandated to undergo counseling for uh, an under an unspecified sexual disorder, I feel it's vague, you know, um, just because there's not a lot in the DSM five in regards to like treating an unspecified sexual disorder. Um, so, and what R. Kelly, if you're, if we're gonna categorize or diagnose him based off of his criminal activity. Uh, he has the um, the abhephilia. So a lot of people will, will categorize him as a pedophile when that's actually incorrect. He, he has the abhephilia, uh, which is the sexual attraction to like late adolescence between like the ages of 14 to like 18 or 19. Um, so that's not, you know, again, that's not a, um, a disorder that's in the DSM-5. So I feel like if he were to survive this 30 year sentence and whatever he's going to be, um, you know, whatever the charges may be, if he's found guilty for the next ones in August, uh, I feel like, yeah, absolutely. It would be helpful, but at the same time, it, there's not a lot of information in regards, like as far as like the treatment modality or things of that nature, like as far as what we know regarding treating that epohephilia is, um, I mean, there's like 
cognitive therapy. There's um, group therapy, some behavior therapy. I believe there's like some medication that could possibly be involved. But at the same time, I don't know whether it would be effective for him for the reason that all throughout this whole situation. And I don't know R. Kelly. I don't, I've never met him. I've never, you know, I, I can only go based off of what, you know, the documentary and reports and things of, of that um, of that nature. But I'm not sure um, that he even feels like he did something wrong. And I think you and you, you and I know that that's the crust of being able to receive treatment or for treatment to be effective. Right. You have to actually feel like you like there is an issue that you would like to get treatment for. And from some of the videos and things that I saw, he didn't seem to be showing any remorse. Right. From different interviews and other different things of like, I don't think it, he feels like he did anything wrong. Like, so I'm not sure how effective whatever counseling um, will be for him being that, you know, I don't, it appears that he has like a lack of insight on what, what was occurring. So that's kind of like my initial, um, you know, take on, on that. What, what were your thoughts when you saw like the sentencing come through? Well, what was it you said that he had? He has Eve hepophilia. So that's I, the, no, I never, I'm, I know, I'm no, it's, I'm sure it's official, but you said that's not in the DSM, right? It's not in the DSM. No, that's just so, the classification of like, uh, attraction to gotcha. adolescents and kids like pedophilia so, pedophilia is, is younger that's like the pre prebrescent kids so again like and i'm not you know i don't know definitively but that's probably the reason why he's diagnosed with unspecified right, right? because depending on be, because of his track record the victims the circumstances all of those things right there's not going to be a specific diagnosis in the in the dsm that's going to fit your diagnosis ain't in there so that's probably why it's there, because, you know, that diagnosis unspecified is going to allow him to get qualified for treatment, you know, and then the therapist can look specifically into what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, the other piece I would say is in terms of the insight piece, like I understand what you're saying in terms of like um, when you're talking about treatment effectiveness. Right. But. And I can say this from experience, right? Just working on this side of it, like like perpetrators, which are, if what you're saying was true, right? None of them would be in therapy. I know, I know you're making a point. You know right. what I mean? I, so I'm. Mean, it's not a confrontational thing. But what I'm saying is, if we were just ballparking it, right? How many grown men or women do you think is really going to stand up and say, "Yeah, I assaulted a child," whether it's to you, me, the judge, public, anybody? You that type of behavior, we know. You know, in our society, right, you, you're looked at as the lowest of the low. So even coming into treatment, the perpetrators are still denying, even if they've been convicted, even if even if on the file that I get, they have a felony. And they've served jail time, whatever it is, they're still going to come into therapy. They're not going to necessarily come into therapy with insight. Why? Because we got to remember, a lot of these people are sociopaths, right? They, they don't feel any empathy for the victim. They feel like they were entitled to do what they are doing. So they're going to still come into treatment trying to explain it away, right? Mm -hmm. So what I see in a lot of the treatment protocols is empathy building is built into the treatment. You know what I'm saying? So that's going to be a module is empathy building. And if we're being honest, it starts with psychoeducation and it's not necessarily 
uh, initially built towards like changing this person's mind, right? right? We're going to start with psychoeducation around um, the damage that the person is doing to, to others, right? And then kind of work backwards, um, trying to build some sense of empathy. But let's be honest, you know, um, like you said, like therapy is voluntary, right? So, um, and jail is, is, is a behavioral thing, you know? Um, so I think one thing we got to remember is like, like, again, what I wrote down on my notes is like, is mandated treatment like useless, right? I, of course, I'm being salacious kind of saying that, but um, the general theme of what I'm talking about goes along with what you're saying, right? Because therapy is voluntary. We're talking about people that have some deeply seated, misguided, you know, schemas and distortions and how they interpret life and their actions with people in general are just off, right? So there's a lot of cognitive work that has to be done, you know? Um, and then, and then again, when we talk about people like R. Kelly, Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, they're rich and powerful, right? So you got to get past the entitlement first. Because I'm sure Harvey Weinstein on some level, Bill Cosby on some level, they never admitted any fault. Right. You know, so um, again, I, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. In that uh, first stage, in that pre-contemplation stage of change, right? Like you said, no insight as far as I don't think I've been doing. I, I didn't do anything wrong. I've been doing it for years. What's this? Right. Another thing that I thought of was why are they waiting for for him to get released? Right. Because like you said, there's no guarantee that he's going to make it another 30 years. Right. So my question was, why not have the counseling or the treatment take place within whatever prison or whatever facility he's going to be at? Like, I understand he's awaiting another trial. However, once that is taken place and if he's getting additional charges or not, have the treatment start to take place immediately. You know, and I know we have colleagues that work within the prison system. Right. We also know that that is one of the highest places where people receive treatment. There are some great therapists, there are some great psychologists and great clinicians that work within the prison system, whether it be federal, state, whatever the situation may be. And again, if it is going to be a situation where it's mandated, I feel like incorporating that, especially being that he is absolutely going to require some invasive work right because we're talking like you said psychoeducation and you're walking backwards to, to treat the the maladaptive cognitive schemas then there's also the trauma now again i don't know r kelly however through some of the documentaries that i viewed um some of his family members other different people talked about trauma that he ex that he had experienced as a child now of course none of this justifies any of his behavior and the pain that he's inflicted on other people. But that's going to be another component that I imagine should be the focus of treatment. You know, and I know that takes time. So my, that was just my question of, well, why are they waiting 30 years for him to possibly finish the sentence? And I don't know if parole is included, but if he's going to be getting treatment, he needs to get that ASAP. Like they need to start on that right now. Cause there's a lot to, to, to dig out and treat and work with on that situation. Listen, man, like I get it. And I, I'm, just still kind of thinking about this as we're talking, but you know, I'm just undecided of, about whether it is, whether it's meaningful or whether it's a waste of resources, right? Because I'm, I'm gonna be very honest, like um, R. Kelly ain't worried about treatment, he's working on his appeal, 
because he thinks he's going to get out and make another album. Like this, you know what I mean? This is the mind state of some of these people. So um, think about Bill Cosby. Like Bill Cosby sat there all them years, and when he got out, the first thing he said was, I told you I ain't do it. And, and knowing, like, we can all read, and that's not why you got out. Right. Right? So you, you, you're not talking about, you're talking about normal human beings, but you're not talking about regular people. You're talking about people who have had their ass kissed their whole life. R. Kelly has been assaulting minors for 25 years. Or longer. Right. You know what I'm saying? So at this point, you know, like, do I think like a treatment program in that setting is going to help him? Me personally, not seeing him at all, him not being my patient, this unofficial opinion. Hell no. I think it's a waste of resources. But I think it would be a waste of resources for all three of them. Him, Harvey Weinstein, and Bill Cosby when he was incarcerated. But that's just me. You know what I mean? Um, and I know it's not the bleeding heart psychologist, you know, opinion that everybody would like. But likewise, I tell people all the time, like, um, some people aren't ready for therapy because they haven't hit rock bottom yet. And a lot of people don't like hearing that from me because they think that we're supposed to be the people that are just out in front of somebody's house, begging them to come to therapy. You know, people come to therapy when they're ready. So that, that's my whole point. Like it's a voluntary process. You know, we can't force cognitive change on people. I tell people all the time, it's therapy, not surgery. So because of that, you know, I think, you know, they should have good people in place, but they should have good people in place to make these decisions about treatment, right? Because do I think every person that has committed a sex offense deserves that type of treatment when they're incarcerated, in my personal opinion? No, I think some of them deserve to do their sentence. I, I'm, I'm gonna be yeah. very honest. Yeah, you know? no, there's various degrees. There's, yeah. there's some offenders, depending on their risk level and their offense, that, yo, they have a very reasonable chance of coming back out here and being productive members of society. Right, and not reoffending. Right, right. You know, but that ain't the case for everybody. And I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and say every single person that's incarcerated needs, needs therapy. No, some of them just need jab. Yeah. No, it's different for the rehabilitation. And unfortunately, like you, to your point, you have these individuals like the Bill Cosby's, like the R. Kelly's, because of their status. That's what enabled them to be able to, to offend for so long. Right. That's what enabled them to have and build up this armor to build up this um, this entitlement of, hey, I don't I'm not doing anything wrong. So on and so forth. So, again, treatment or therapy is elective. And it's a situation like, hey, if you (laughs) let him pay for it, why should I have to pay for it? You're right. You want to pay for it? Nah, I'm not. (laughs) You want to pay for Mark Kelly and Harvey Weinstein's treatment? No, they should pay for it. They got, they got it. They can handle it. So we'll see, man. Um, you know, it's uh, again, like in August, the second trial starts. Um, I feel like they're just going to continue to to pound on, you know, more charges, and I think, uh, rightfully so. So, um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, moving on to other legal matters, WNBA star Brittany Griner, um, has been in custody of a of the Russian authorities after cannabis oil was found in her luggage at a Moscow airport all the way back in February 7th 
All right, February 17th. Uh, now, a couple weeks ago, she pleaded guilty on the drug charge, right? Because she's been held for five months so far, right? And we've been watching this story kind of unfold. And there have been pleas from, uh, from her family, the WNBA, the President Biden, so many other different avenues. Uh, so she pleaded guilty a couple weeks ago to the drug charge. And she was telling the court that she didn't intend to break the law. Additional hearings are set to um, determine her fate legally. Uh, there was an article that came out recently that Sherelle Griner, the wife of uh, Brittany, uh, she mentioned that she's not tuning into the criminal trial for Brittany for her drug charge in Russia. She said, I will not be watching. She cited that uh, her wife's detainment has had an impact on her mental health, and that's why she's not watching the trial. She said some things are extremely unhealthy for her mental health, and I plan to stay in here the entire time to ensure that my wife is back home soon. And I will not be watching just to preserve my own mental health strength. Honestly, I know, I'm honestly, I'm not well, but this is such a personal matter for me that my wife's humanity is at stake. Her life is at stake. Her safety is at stake. So, um, so like you said, this has been ongoing for almost half a year now, right? Because this happened in February. So we're in July that this has been unfolding. Um, and you know what? My, my heart goes out to her. Um, because this took place like right as the rush, as Russia was like invading Ukraine, like a lot of things were getting tested. It happened very close to each other, like almost maybe simultaneously that, um, Russia was just, they were just on, on, going on a wild spree. Like a lot of different things were, were taking place along with their, with their, um, invasion of Ukraine. And, you know, I, I understand, like, I think a lot of backlash, um, Sherelle, had received based off what her statement was and people saying, oh, you know, you can't afford it. You should be watching the support, so on and so forth. However, support looks different. And I can only imagine what she's had to experience for these past five or six months, right? I don't know what the extent of her communication has been with Brittany and to having to kind of see the situation, things kind of play out, especially in the media. Um, so I understand that, like, she's protecting her mental health. I can only imagine what it would be like. Remember, because we're not talking about an American trial. You got like, to explain that to me. Man. You got to help me understand. Look, man, I can only imagine, because it's like a lot of people get it twisted or have it misconstrued about what, you know, a legal proceeding looks like. Like, they think it's all law and order. So they think okay. things are happening, like, day after day. And then people, no, like. Things get dragged out, right? There are so many different moving pieces and compartments that take place. And I don't even know what Russia is like, you know? So I can imagine that, yeah, this has probably been very difficult for her to have your loved one or your spouse or your partner um, detained. And you don't know when they're coming back. So she's protecting her mouth. She's putting things in place. She's incorporating boundaries, which is something that we talk about all the time and whatever situation that you're experiencing that is stressful, which I can, I, this will be an understatement to say this is stressful to her. Um, you have to incorporate some boundaries. You have to do some things that uh, allow you to protect your own mental well-being. So um, even though she's received some backlash from it, I, I understand. Um, so what, what's, what do you, what say you about this? I got a couple well, other I'll, points, but as far as I'll this goes, what do you, you think? You enlighten me a little bit. Right. Because I, before I even say what I got to say, I would just say. I do understand the stress from the separation from her spouse. Right. right. Her spouse is in another country. 
she doesn't know the outcome. Um, on another level, another conversation for another day, not really receiving the level of support, public outcry that she knows that like male athletes that play the same sport would get if they found okay. themselves in the same situation. Well, right? No, we're gonna we're gonna get into that. I gotta ask you a question about. So that. I I get that. Like, I, so that's not where my comment is coming from. Everything that what you said is true. Difficult, stressful, and boundaries. I think that's important. Now, I hate being this guy. When, when I hear this, it sounds more like, to me, when I hear people say trauma and depression, right? It, like, like, is it going a little too far, right? Like mental health, does mental health have to be incorporated here? I'm being honest, like, or is this life stress, right? So, like, what the same type of stress she's feeling somebody could feel if, if their family member is in the hospital or if their family member is away and they don't know when they're coming back. My only point is this. It's just like somebody to me saying like, yo, stop saying that to me because of my trauma. It's, it's so subjective that it's almost, it, it almost devalues what mental health is because people that have mental health problems have mental health diagnoses. So in our society, we, we have got to do a better job when we talk about managing everyday stress, which includes bereavement, right? Mm -hmm. Which includes uh, failing tests, which includes sick siblings and, and spouses, not diminishing any of those experiences, but that's not depression, right? Feeling nervous about going to work is not, or nervous about the outcome of the trial is not anxiety. So I don't want to get into that too much, but that's the sense I got. It was kind of like, We've commercialized these words so much that they don't even mean anything anymore. You could go to the to the you could go and sit in a sixth grade classroom and sit there for, for half of a day and there'll be kids talking about they're depressed. Oh, my trauma. I got too much homework. My parents talking to me about my room, my trauma. And I got to get away from my mom to protect my mental health. And that's where I see. I don't want to say the issue, but that's where it gets a little, you know, to me, a little. I'm like, eh, stressful, difficult, hard to manage, need support. Yes. Mental health? I don't know. You know, so again, I don't want to diminish her experience, but I think we've gotten to the point. Sometimes we can go overboard, right? We, we 10 years ago, nobody cared about depression. People were telling you it wasn't real, right? Now we have so much support that, you know, people that have nothing to do with the field can give advice about it, right? And everybody's using these words like, if I have a bad day now, I'm depressed. Like, but that's not it, you know? So, um, you know, I hate to be that guy, but I am, you know, and during this conversation. Well, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot, right? So you yeah. kind of, you open the door to it. So we got to walk through. Right, right, now, right, right, right. If this was LeBron, would she be home already? If LeBron had gotten detained, I, I, if he would have had the Orioles, what do you, what do you think? This question, I, based off based off the two individuals and their histories, I think it's a too disingenuous question because LeBron James has never gotten a parking ticket, my brother. Well, so I that's mean, the wrong, LeBron okay. James would, would never, and respectfully, 
since you started it, the conversation, LeBron James wouldn't have hash oil in his in his luggage. But what if he did? I mean, what if Barack Obama did, my brother? Well, I, I mean, how if, to answer that question. Like, I what, asked, I yeah. you, what I can tell you is, if a male, like I said before, if an NBA player, okay, you know, let's 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 take your guy, J.R. Smith, right? I'm just saying, based off history, right? okay. So right. J.R. Smith had the hash oil in his in his suitcase. I think there would be a lot more support in terms of publicly, right? Like people, you know, trying to bring more eyes to it. You know, I think the fact that it was her, and the fact that the WNBA. Um, doesn't have a lot, I don't want to say a lot, but doesn't have as much, you know, support as the NBA. I think it was a lot easier for people to do exactly what I just did, right? And say, well, why did she do whatever, 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 right? Um, And not focus on the fact that, at least from most of our perspective, it's an over-exaggeration of a punishment, right? Um, So, again, it's a long answer, but no, it would be a much different level of outcry. There's, right. you, there's no argument when it comes to that, you know? Um, have you heard people arguing the reverse, like she's getting a fair deal? So that kind of led into my next question, right? Not so much fair, but, and I'm going to hold, because in our line of work, we have to hold everyone responsible, right? No matter what actions or what decisions that you make, there are going to be consequences. There's going to be an effect. There's going to be some form of recourse. Right? So I haven't heard that it's fair. However, at the same time, and this I can only speak for me, is that you have to know also if you do have something in your bag. And I don't know because a lot of these players are playing overseas when they're not when the WNBA is not in season, right? Just because of the differential. And pay grade. A lot of these WNBA players are playing overseas. They're playing in Moscow. They're playing in China. Right. They're playing in Russia. Whatever. However, I think it's also important. And I don't know if she's used to carrying this stuff with her in her bags, and they just kind of go through, and it's fine. And maybe that's the reason why she thought it was okay. At the same time, you should know where you are and what rules apply in what country, because the same re- the same stuff that's lenient here. In, in the U.S., when you're traveling, you know, they might find right. it. You see me, or they might be like, ah, oh, cool, whatever. That's not how it is overseas. There are some countries where they don't even like you cursing in public. So I feel oh. like, you know, that's, I feel like it's not, not said that, that it's fair because I do feel like Russia is also utilizing this as a tactic, right? So because we can't forget the current climate in regards to Russia is on, they're on 10 right now regarding invading other countries and trying to, because I believe they were also trying to negotiate her with like some other person that they got, some killer, some uh, who has like this horrendous nickname who they're trying to negotiate and exchange her for. So Russia is absolutely looking at this and using it as a power play, right? At the same time, again, you're carrying stuff over there in Russia, right? You're you don't. Every country is different. So I, I have to put a I have to put some responsibility on her and not to say that she deserves to be in a hole someplace and you know they're playing around with her livelihood and wherever she's gonna return. At the same time, you can't play around with with stuff in different places because the rules are different, bro. The policies every, are, are completely every, different. Every, any person, right, can have a lapse of judgment. Like I get it, right? But logically, when I if I'm going 
to the Dominican Republic, or I'm going to Puerto Rico, I check my suitcase a hundred times for stuff that I've never put in it. I'm checking for a brick of cocaine that I've never had. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, not not for play play. We're not playing around. Because the worst case scenario is you going through and you're like, oh, pocket knife is in there. Oh, anything, right? So my whole point is, obviously that's a crazy example, but my point is, you have to be aware of where you're at, right? Absolutely. So you can't, it's, it's kind of like where you see people playing this game where it's like, okay, so she had the hash oil, right? So, you know, people like to play the game like, well, she probably uh, went through a hundred times with it, right? Or, or um, it's legal here. So they're supposed to not find it. it I mean, that's what I'm like, saying. It's just like the other situation. Remember the situation in North Korea with the boy who was on a trip, a school trip or something, and he snatched the flag down. Right. And they gave him like 10 years. I I, I don't even think, I hope I'm not confusing him with somebody else, but I I think he came home in a coma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. For snatching down a flag, right? So that's something over here we look at it. That's a very excessive punishment, right? And I'm not saying he deserved it. Uh, let's not even go down that road. But what I'm saying is the minute you get off that, first of all, a lot of people wouldn't go there for those reasons, right? But the people who are going there, if they're missionaries, if they're business people, if they're doing uh, scientific work, they adjust to the customs of where they're at for those exact reasons. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find somebody that goes to Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi, well, not Abu Dhabi, Saudi Arabia, one of these countries doing research and work, and they're out there drinking. Some of these countries, alcohol is illegal. That's what I'm saying. You have to So you can't get caught and then say, yo, I live in New Jersey and I drink beer every day. Like, I, I know, like, again, I know it sounds, like, harsh, but it's like, what do you expect? That that's what and so that's why I said there, there's responsibility on that side for the reason that these countries take certain laws and policies very seriously. And again, it's up to you to remain hyper vigilant, especially if you're traveling through Russia and you know what's going on. It's not like nobody wasn't aware that Russia was again, we're just talking about this situation, that Russia was different right now, especially now. Russia's on high alert, they're trying to de- let. I don't know, again, cannabis oil, whether she's using it for medicinal purposes or stress or whatever the situation may be. Listen, it ain't that important, right? Wherever you're going, you can get some more. Because, listen, <laughs> Russia's not for play play. All right, let's just keep it wider. Like, you cannot do that in certain countries. Hell, you and I know that you can't even go to Jamaica or Puerto Rico and take certain liquors back and forth with you. Right? So, again, I, I understand the wife you know, is in distress. It, it's a terrible situation all, all around. And absolutely, I do feel like if there were, this was an, an NBA star, the outcry, the support, maybe they'd be home by now. However, you cannot, we can minimize that she has some responsibility in this. And I don't mean to be the bad guy, or I know this opinion or stance is probably unpopular. At the same time, there are consequences that come along with these decisions. And if you want to play around and have different you know, contraband in your suitcase, they're going to find it. Bro, and you, the last thing you want to do is be detained in a different country. It's unpopular because people want to have it both ways. And pe- again, we always, we talk about this all the time, like conflating things, right? And it's like, 
this can be an over punishment, right? And but people are treating her like she's a political prisoner. Nah. And I and I get it. It's not it's wrong, but she broke their laws, like their laws. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like they came and snatched her off the basketball court. You 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 understand what I'm saying? And and, and trumped up some charges on her. You know what I mean? Um, so again, it's it's excessive. Um, and you know, I, I personally I hope she gets out of it. Um, but she already pleaded guilty, so and who knows she- how that's gonna shake up. We don't know. Yeah, you know what's funny, and I don't mean to be like an asshole or anything. You ever see her walking like with the uh, like with? No. <laughs> no. I don't know where you going. Go ahead, finish that thought. Go ahead. You ever see her when they're like walking her back and forth, and like she might have like the two officers or whoever like are escorting her, and yeah. she's like towering above oh, them. Man, right. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost looks crazy, man. It looks it looks comical. Like the situation is not comical, but it almost. It almost looks like she could get away. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Why doesn't she just take them? I'm sure they have guns, I'm sure. But it's just like... <laughs> yeah, stupid, like yeah. I don't know if that's me. I'm thinking about it like, yo, I, I, I could probably take both of them real quick. I don't know. It, it looks just, like just, that. And just hawk out like I could. Like, I don't know. I'm just, whatever. It looks like a, a left and an overhand right might get it out of there. <laughs> like, just a... <laughs> But it's but it's just one of them situations, man. Like, you know, it's like, I, like you see this every couple of years. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's why the incident with the dude snatching the flag, because it it just like with both of them, it just it's just like all right. First, the first question you're gonna ask is all right. It's a dumb decision, right? And it's an over punishment, right? Um, because all of us, probably anybody li- under the sound of my voice listening to this video, who's been in the airport in the last five years. We all spend the whole morning before you get on the plane, like, yo, I hope they don't pour out my $12 lotion. Right. You want to take don't throw away my deodorant, my toothpaste, because yeah, it's, it's this big instead of this big, you know? So um, just things you got to be aware of, man. Got to remain hypervigilant. Absolutely. All right. Unfortunately, right before um, we aired uh, our last episode, some other unfortunate events took place. So on June 19th, uh, Randy Cox, 36 years old, he's an African-American male. He was arrested at a neighborhood party after witnesses called in the report that they suspected he was carrying a gun. So he was placed in handcuffs without incident by the New Haven police under that were under under suspicion that he allegedly was possessing an illegal firearm. So he was placed in the back of a police van or paddy wagon, as they call them without securing him in the back with a seatbelt. Video footage came out uh, that shows that the transport vehicle was come, came to an abrupt stop at one point, and it sent Mr. Cox, like, flying into, like, the wall. Uh, I mean, it was almost like a ragdoll. Like, the watch was, like, horrendous, right? I mean, he sent him flying into the rag wall, and then, like, he, he was unable to, because he was handcuffed, he was unable to, like, brace for impact or break his fall and absorb the shock in any type of way. And in the follow-up footage, right, because once he hit the wall, that was it. Like, he's laying there, like, motionless. And uh, the follow-up video footage, the officers can be seen. They open up the back of the van door, and they see him, like, sprayed on the floor, right, with his head down. And you can hear him shouting out that he, like, he believes that he broke the neck. Like, he's talking to him. He's pleading with him, saying, hey, look, I think I broke my neck. Um and the video proceeds with the, with the officers. They're mocking him, right? They're laughing at him. They're dragging him by his feet. Um, 
holding him up, like just taking him to an easy, you know, not giving him any medical attention or anything of that nature. Until eventually later on, as he's laying in the cell, and this again, this went on for for hours and such. So eventually the para, the paramedics later arrived and um and he's still laying on the floor and he was transported to the hospital. So according to the latest reports, he remains in the ICU. Uh, he's currently paralyzed and he's surviving through both a ventilator and a feeding tube. And the physicians that are involved with, in his care have informed the family that he's unlikely to walk again. So the five officers involved in the incident have been placed on administrative leave and um, it's prompted a state investigation. Um, but however, the attorneys for the family wanted to push for this, uh, like for a civil rights investigation, and rightfully so. So um, this is uh, first and foremost, um, thoughts and prayers to his family and what, you know, he's going through, what the family's going through. I know the sister has been on the forefront. She's been like providing updates and, and um, this is horrendous, man. The first thing that I thought of, Jay, was um, was Freddie Gray. Like the the this is like Freddie Gray on tape or, or on, you know, uh, it's just inhumane. Right. This is inhumane tactics that's been going on for years. Especially with the paddy wagon, like, you know, putting them in there, they know full well what they're doing. Right. For them to be like, oh, I can't put on a broad stop. Like, I don't like it wasn't intentional things and whatever other different um you know excuses they've been coming up with um that that doesn't fly with me at all because this has been an inhumane tactic that cops have been doing for years right you place someone back in the paddy wagons you take them on you know the the craziest ride of their life right because you know they're bouncing around there's nothing to secure them like you said you got the handcuffs but they can't brace for impact or anything this has been going on for years and they did this on purpose and um this is, it's just a total disregard for human life, simply as simply as put. Because at the re- like he's pleading with them, right? And they just continue to mock him. They continue to drag him by his feet and so on and so forth. Like it, it, it just goes on and it's so disheartening. And it's just like, it's hard to put into words, man, just to see this happen. But this has been going on for years as they've been treating, especially us, people of our community, in these paddy wagons. And they go real fast and like, you know the same on the brakes and all these other different things like unfortunately like i know cops or friends that are cops and i often know people that you know unfortunately have had to take that ride that have gotten arrested in the paddy wagon and they've explained it like they described it very similar to them like if they're not people that are loaded up where people are like you know shoulder to shoulder with each other or where that kind of reduces you know the impact of like when you're going on that ride like if you're in there by yourself you're, you're just getting thrown around and right, you see what I mean? Like that's what it is, right? And they've been they doing usually it. doing it with a bunch of people in there. They're usually doing it when they lock ten people up at the same time, so 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 they don't have to worry about somebody hitting their head on the door. But when I heard this, um, that's the first thing I thought about: 2015 Baltimore, Freddie Gray, right? A um, couple of things, right? This is crazy. Because, again, obviously it further erodes, you know, the relationship and the trust between the public and police officers, right? Um, It was already bad, you know. We all watched the the cops kneel on George Floyd's neck till he died, you know what I mean? Um, But 
watching this was, I'm going to be very honest, it was just as cringeworthy as that, right? I don't know if you saw this whole video. I saw the whole thing. The whole video is like 30 minutes, right? right? He broke his neck and was laying there in the back for a very long time, right? It was so bad that the officer, once he realizes his neck was broke, calls the ambulance and then tells the ambulance, nah, I don't need to come. You can meet me at the at the police station and then drove around with him some more. So what you see in the video is you see somebody being paralyzed in real time. Mm-hmm. You see them break, you see him break his neck. He's laying there. He's telling the police, I can't move. They're like, yo, we don't believe you. He's probably just drunk. So they grab him by his feet and drag him through the police station, boop, boop, hitting everything. Right. Um, this is going to get settled. It's not even going to be a lawsuit. They're going to give him a double digit figure. Um, but it's irrelevant because he's paralyzed and he's and he's and he's eating through a feeding tube. And this is a guy that. When he was arrested. Um, voluntarily, he went without without any issues. I believe he told them he had a firearm on him. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Right. And again, this is a guy and I'm not trying to ca- I'm not trying to disparage his character. What I'm, I'm just talking about the facts. He obviously knew the process. Right. Because his sisters and his family was waiting for him at the police station so they could bond him out. And they get a phone call three hours later that he needs to have emergency surgery. And the video is up. Right. So. This is the difference between what I was talking about, about Brittany Griner's wife, respectfully, and this. Watching this can give somebody PTSD. That's life, right? Like, this is watching somebody being paralyzed on video. You watch somebody get their neck broke, and then you watch for 20 minutes people further injuring the same person, right? So, again... Um, in certain situations, my advice to my son would be lock your car, call 911 and call me. I'll call the lawyer respectfully. If you feel in danger. I'm not going to tell my son to just wholeheartedly go and do everything a police officer tells him to do. Unfortunately, I'm going to talk to him about how to behave and how to interact. But my response to him in the daylight when there's people around is don't say anything to police officers. Shut your mouth, sit for a couple hours and call me. I got the lawyer coming. Why? Because I know they don't have his best interest in mind. Unfortunately, I can't tell my friend that they can't tell my son that they're good guys. Yeah. And you know, it's, so and I, it, and I it, get that um I get that through any course of the day, police officers are gonna get People are going to try to manipulate their way out of the, you know, if they're arrested and try to get over so on and so forth. But this goes on. I mean, again, this was blatantly right. Blatant. You saw that he was injured. You're dragging him all over the place. They're making fun of him, mocking him. People in the police station. Like it goes on throughout he the whole said, video. Like, I think I broke my neck. And he didn't right. even say it like that. He was saying it like, I think I broke my neck. Right. He had, like he had a mouthful of water because his neck was broke and it was in his mouth. It's it was crazy, a, bro. It, like, it's, it's horrific. And the thing is, this is unfortunately, even though 
they'll probably win, like again, like you said, double digit figures. They'll probably win the civil suit. They all these. It's not going to change for the reason that prosecutors, and this is these, this is stats, right? Prosecutors rarely charge police officers for excessive use of force or for murder. Like though there are a, a thousand, and thank God he didn't lose his life. But though there are a thousand fatal shootings and, and police brutality cases reported every year, right? And these are just the reported ones. We're not even talking about the ones that are un, that go unreported. There are about a thousand of these that are reported every year. Police are prosecuted in these situations less than 2%, Jay. Less than 2% of these cases of out of a thousand. So what does that say, right? What's the message that that's sending home to law enforcement? This is the this is the law of effect, right, Jay? This is in place in the situation that when behavior is followed by satisfying consequences, what's going to happen? It's more likely that that behavior is going to continue to increase or occur again. And that's what's been happening. Law enforcement are not held responsible. They're not seeing legal charges. We've seen outliers, right, with a couple situations where some law enforcement people have been held accountable or have received some charges. Not even prosecuted to the fullest extent, but they've received some jail time. And that's something that we have to be satisfied with. Because you know what? Even after the situation with George Floyd, it was like, okay, this time. All right, we got one this time. But you know and I know there are going to be following situations like this where most likely they're not going to be held accountable. They might lose the job, if that, right? Even with the situation with, you know, um, Taylor, right, with the shooting where they shot him over 90 times. Right. Right. These situations, they're coming up with all different types. Oh, well, there was a gun in the car. We saw a light. We saw such a thing. They're shooting him even after the body is, is, is motionless on the ground. So, again, this type of behavior is going to continue to happen for the reason that they're not, they're satisfying consequences that these, that the law enforcement, that these cops are experiencing. So what's, why should they stop? What's, what's the reinforcement to say, hey, you know what, I should stop doing this? And like you said, now it's a situation where we have to continue to have that conversation, that driving while black, that being out in the street while black that we have to have with our kids, with our nephews, with our nieces, to prepare them for this and say, hey, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to move and maneuver and handle these situations when you get pulled over, when you get stopped by the cops. There's not even an if, it's a when. Right. And it's a situation where, you know what, even with that, even with that training that we're telling them, even with that education that we're providing them with, it could still go wrong. There's still the likelihood that we do and tell them to do everything in the book, right? They can have the highest status, right? They can have every terminal degree and it can still go wrong. That's the sad part, right? That's the fearful part that we have to have this uncomfortable conversation and education that we have to impart to our kids. But this is going to continue for the reason that, again, they're not, they don't value that life, right? They don't value our life. They're simply, it's I mean, like, listen, hey, you know man. what? They're going to say this, all those different things, and they're going to go about it because they're not being held accountable. It's a multi-layered conversation, but I, I think, you know, the consequences are too low. Like you said, 2% um, prosecuted and it needs to be a like it's too easy to get the job. Like it needs to be a four year degree job. Pay them more, do whatever you want, but it's too easy to get the job. You shouldn't have more training hours if you want to be a cosmetology, you know, a hairstylist in cosmetology school than in the police academy. It's ridiculous. 
Come All on. Right. So um, we'll see. We'll continue to monitor this for further developments. Again, prayers and thoughts and um, for the family. Hopefully they get the treatment like they need. Because, again, like we talked about, this is absolutely, you know, vicarious trauma. This is also, you know, complex trauma. This is also grief that a lot of these family members are going to have to experience. So I'm hoping that they receive the treatment that they desperately are going to need as this continues to unfold and as they have to go through this process. Because, again, they continue to get re-traumatized with the court proceedings. Right. Because this is going to be played over and over and over again for these families. They're going to have to go through the legal system. They're going to have to go through that being played on social media. All these. So um, I definitely hope that they get the support that they need um, as they go through this. All right. On a lighter note, Jay, your favorite state senator. All right. Rhode Island State Senator Tierra Matt. Her latest social vid has gone viral. And it's also provoked some strong reactions on both sides of the political aisle. All right. So Tara Mack, who I said uh, is the state senator for Rhode Island. She's a Democrat representing District 6 in Rhode Island. She uploaded a video of her twerking upside down while on a beach on TikTok. Right. This is on uh, July 4th on, on Independence Day. So the TikTok clip, which is about eight seconds which had been viewed more than 60,000 60, times by like the end of the day, um, later made its way to Twitter. And then from then it just took off, right? It had like 2 million time, 2 million views by like Wednesday of that same week. So uh, our TikTok account, unfortunately, was actually temporarily suspended after, you know, with everything taking place and the uproar and such. She actually even received death threats after making the post. So, of course, like we said, there's been an uproar from a lot of different political um, or political constituents. One person, Lauren Spicer, who's a Republican congressional candidate in Florida, said Tierra Mack just disgraced herself and disgraced every black woman running for public office. All right. That was her feedback. All right. So Tierra Mack actually uh, re re released a few statements. And so what she stated was, can the media also cover the 10 plus bills that I sponsored that Rhode Island sent never the, the, the Rhode Island Senate never scheduled for a hearing? Can the media also cover any policy wins I've had as being the youngest black state senator in Rhode Island? I'm surprised that the Internet is more ready to talk about me twerking upside down on America's birthday than they're ready to talk about any of the policy wins that I've had this year or any of the other accomplishments that I've had outside of the Senate chamber. She said, um. So in the in in the uh, in the clip, uh, it says you know she's twerking upside down for about eight seconds, which is pretty good, I think. Uh, she says, "Vote Senator Mac." At the end of it, so um, Jay, I, I'm gonna say um, first and foremost, I was blown away by the sheer athleticism of this <laughs> of the clip, bro. Like I, I seriously, like I'm not gonna hold you. I know a lot of people that cannot pull this speed off, so I wanted honestly to commend her on being able to pull this off because for the listen and she was she was she was twerking it wasn't like she was just doing a handstand right because and i'm gonna tell you jay as a former gymnast and tumbler okay yes that that's right when i was in the first and second grade i did tumbling and a part of my routine was that you had to do a headstand into a dive roll a roundhouse with a cartwheel and then you had to end it off with a with a handstand okay so i know how difficult these type of things are, 
All right. I have expertise for this. All right. Um, but you know, seriously, like, um, I feel like when I saw this, this was this is a unique way of being able to obtain votes. Um, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I <laughs> I really didn't. Are you serious? Oh, I'm serious. I'm serious. Listen. I thought, I thought this was gonna be a short segment, but it's no, not. no, I'm, I'm serious. No, this is funny and lighthearted, right? Like I, didn't I don't think you were serious. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. I seriously just now thought you was trolling me. No, no, oh, no I'm my, serious. Oh, my God. I, I don't I don't see the issue with this. It's funny, it's lighthearted, and it's her platform, right? It's her platform. I don't see anything wrong with this. She's able to post whatever she likes. It she wasn't hurting anybody. But like in comparison to some of these other politicians that we've seen some pretty cringeworthy things, right? And post. Again, I feel like this was a unique way for her to be able to obtain voters. I've never seen anything like this, but hey, that's the way to do it. There you go. Yo. I could sit on this podcast, right, and drink a fifth of Hennessy if that's what I wanted to do. I could. It's perfectly legal. Why don't I? Right? Why Why don't I? Because there is an expectation that comes along with, the, with what I represent, right? Now, if you're talking about a private citizen, Joe Schmo, right, who wants to twerk, they can twerk all day. But when you accept a, a public position as a state senator, there is a certain level of responsibility that goes along with it. I have to explain this to people. If 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 this was your child's preschool teacher, you would be okay with it? I mean, it depends on what she's running for. She's running for okay. like teacher of the okay. year. I mean, because, so- <laughs> because it's her right. So again, this strikes me as a person, and we can have different opinions, but I'm very surprised at her response, right? But not really, because she started talking about I'm a millennial and all of this stuff, and I get it, right? Because there's no accountability, right? She did this and then had the nerve to get up and say, vote for me, right? And you know what her response is? I have no regrets. That's the first response, no regrets. And two, I'm showing leadership looks different, no. We are showing that leadership looks different. Me and you and her are not impacting the culture the same. No. Two, she's elected to be a state official, not an entertainer. So if somebody, when I will defend Cardi B to the death when a politician gets up there and talks about her twerking, because she's an entertainer, right? Right. But my state senator, okay, is paid to sponsor them bills. The third thing, misogyny, classism, and racism. This was her response to, to people saying that what she's doing is unprofessional and ignorant, and she's a bad role model. Misogyny, classism, and racism, bro. I take personal offense to that because this is why people dismiss us as emotional, and when we really argue issues, they have no teeth. She's a state senator that decided it was okay to twerk in a thong, bro, and then say, vote for me. It's not like somebody caught her on her family vacation twerking with her girls and her family members, and they posted it. She did it to herself. This is her campaign commercial. 
Yo, I oh. can't believe that I even had to explain that my position to you. But obviously, I'm in the minority. But again, I think it's a person that has no accountability, definitely no insight. And I'm not saying the behavior is despicable. But what I'm saying is she does not deserve to be in that position. She doesn't deserve that level of responsibility, if you ask me. Because if not, then why can't, why shouldn't I do this show with marijuana is legal in New Jersey? So why wouldn't you do this show for me with a blunt in my mouth, okay, and a fifth of Hennessy in the back? Why, what's the, why not? It's my right. I mean, you could if you wanted to. I wouldn't judge you if you wanted to. I'm like, all right. Yo, it's the same reason why I got all these tattoos. It ain't a day in my life I done went to the office without long sleeves on. The expectation is different. Nobody cares if Dr. Coleman looks cool. They want me to be competent. Nobody cares. She wants, she's so caught up in being Cardi B. Maybe that's why we haven't seen any of the bills, brother. So I can't agree on the, her, her being, being the leadership thing. I, I, that, that her, her twerking doesn't represent leadership. That's not what leadership looks like. However, this is the new wave, Jay. Think about it. No, you said it's the, it, it is. The millennials, who do you think she's, she's, who do you think she's trying to acquire votes for? Have you ever seen AOC twerking? I don't think that's her demographic again, she's trying to reach. We're, we're, when you say this is the new, again. It's a new wave of, of advertisement in regards to it, campaigning. It's not, though, because AOC was, was, made, was made herself pop, pop, uh, popular making TikTok videos, all of that stuff about in her apartment, about her move. She didn't do anything salacious like that bro that would take away from her credibility as a person now somebody now now if somebody if she was in a debate right or somebody in that state senate building walked up to her and made a sexual comment about her body would do you think she would be okay with that or would she say leave my personal life out of it you're right you have a point that's why it's bullshit bro now look at this let me ask you this all right that's why it's bullshit. When Trump, where did he do the majority of his advertisements on when he was running for his, doing his campaign? Twitter, TikTok. Where, because where, yo, the where's, your, where's, your, where's your point by bringing up right. Donald Trump? So be, I'm saying that that this is the new campaign strategy. He was trying to reach his particular demographic, which were extremists and other, other his other followers. That's where they knew to find him because that's where his population, like, it's no accident, right, that he was like, I'm going to go on Twitter as opposed to paying for these Her situation also, if you look at the research for her, the millennials, they're on TikTok. That's who she's campaigning for. She's not campaigning for the standard or the particular conservative population. She's she's reaching out for the for her millennium folks. And minority pep on party members. This is right. You so think I'm, I'm gonna let you? I'm gonna let you dig this hole for yourself. Right. You it's even. A, it's even. A form, I would even go as far as to saying it's a form of trolling for the reason that think about it. Now, when you look her up, what comes up? As, no, I, I, I don't live in Rhode Island, but I know who she is now. You know who she is now. That was the whole goal. I feel like in addition is for her to you know what? Let me get this attention and let me do this because she knew it was gonna be over. She listen. I don't know all of her academic history, but I imagine she's 
pretty resourceful or she had to do something Bro, who knows about how point. to get attention. Nobody cares about her academic achievements anymore because now we're just talking about her twerking. And they're going to vote for her. That millennium vote, they're going to vote. And, and, and I see, guarantee you. She's going to vote. I, she's doing this right, is exactly so let's, what let's she wanted. This out. Let's play this out. Right. Who is the constitu- constituency that she's catering to by twerking in a thong? I, who is the constituency? Is it older people, younger people? What race? Who is it? She's trying. She already has the LGBT population because that's the population that she's part of, right? She's been very outspoken with that. So she got that. The millennials, the young, anybody from that eighteen who's eligible to vote, uh, probably mid thirties. Those folks that are like you know more liberal and things, which is a pretty good population in Rhode Island. So, so that's who I, she's I, aiming for. I'm just, I just want to know because I black I, black I've women. Never seen all this, listen. Do this. So, and neither have I, but she knows, listen, this is the new campaign strategy. No, it's not, brother. It's not, right. I'm going to be very honest. I like, think she's going to win. I think she'll get like, in there. Yo, I, I follow politics very closely. There are a lot of new people in Democratic and Republican uh, parties that are coming up that are that much more popular than her, brother, with millennials. None of them use this strategy. She's a state senator. You know what they did? They banned her TikTok. So you know what that made her? That made her a martyr. That made her a martyr. People are, oh, well, how can they do this? And so now she has a following. And that now it's even outside of Rhode Island. I mean, we just going to have to. We just gonna I'm have telling you, she's trying. It's a form of, I, I believe, that I don't know her, but I believe it's a form of trolling. And she's utilizing this new wave of people because she's not the only campaign person. She's not the only politician who's on the younger front. Now, again. Have yeah, other have other folks done? Don't mix. We're talking about somebody again. We can't just say millennials because when we say millennials, we're talking about using technology, right? We're talking about connecting directly with your people by talking to them. We're not talking about flipping upside down and showing your ass. There are going to be. That's what this issue is. We can't shape this. And that's what she did, right? Misogyny, classism, racism. No. This is you turning around and showing your ass on camera and being shamed for it. Listen. It's not misogyny, classism, and racism. This is what because she's going to do. no other examples of anybody doing that. Right. Which I mean, there are going to be a lot of people, our age even included, along with the millennials, because I'm not sure. what We're not millennials, right? What are, what are we? We're like, what are we, generation next? I don't, I don't know. What, what are we? we? Are the, well, I don't we're not millennials, right? We're, no. Uh, if we are, we're the last... Uh, like the tail end, maybe. Yeah. All right. We, yeah, but I'm not <laughs> completely sure. There are gonna, there are plenty of folks that are gonna be like, "Hey, that's dope," but what she did, that's cool. She's unapologetic. She's owning. It's empowerment. Yeah, I, but, I'm trying to. There, yeah. women empowerment. Right. Also, there are even older folks under consideration that are gonna say, "Hey, I love the fact that she's embracing her. Yo, right she's now, embracing I, her I, sexuality." You sound like you sound like you running for office. I'm tr- this is what I'm telling you. This Yo, is so what's gonna. This is what she's going right? for. This is. I'm gonna go there, right? Because this is the Black Psychologist Podcast. What you're doing is a problem. I'm gonna be very honest, and it's a problem in our culture because we have a problem in our culture with people doing what you're doing. Meaning, like, because it's a black woman or a black person, we're gonna just explain away anything. That's just what I'm trying to tell you. This is what yeah, she's so utilized. She's gonna weaponize that. Again, anything is good. I think that's what she's doing. That people vote on, like people vote on kitchen table issues, taxes. They vote on the border. They do not vote on whether you can shake your ass, bro. People vote also. You know, 
people vote with their heart. Listen, how do you think Trump got it? You know, and I know, and again, I'm going to use him because he's an extreme version or reaction, but you know, and I know all of his topics, all of his, they were bullshit, right? The fact that he had, he, he's running with one team, but he utilized people's emotions. People were going there because they enjoyed, and this is research, you know this, people voted for him despite women voted for him despite his horrendous going on, on emotion they went in there you know what i like the fact that he's this is that she's utilizing that same thing that same concept i'm not I saying mean, it's right to i'm, I'm telling you this, 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 this is apples and oranges she's utilizing this new wave of and she's gonna the same way how people are gonna explain how oh i'm not misogyny i'm not such and such right and like again i agree with you like when she gets into a debating situation, she's going to be like, hey, that's none of your business, my personal, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, she's also going to utilize the certain population that she comes with. And she's going to be the fact that people, this embracement, this empowerment, it's owning your own sexuality, all these other different things, these avenues that are going to allow her just to get back into office to get real. Well, I'm going to tell you this and, this, and this is going to hurt, but this is how we get Juneteenth ice cream, right? Because, because again, you and her and nobody else would say that black people vote on twerking. If somebody said that, if Joe Biden said, yo, I need I need to twerk. I need people twerking in the back of my video because I need millennials and minorities. We would be doing a show on it because you and everybody else would be so insulted. But she does it. I try to hold her accountable. I'm and you explain <laughs> it away. And, and I'm again, telling you what the goal is. I'm telling you what her, I'm telling you, this is what I think. You go on majority black platforms, right? They're going to be doing what you're doing. They're going to be explaining it away, right? Why? Because we have this mentality as a people that whatever we do, we have to explain it away. And that's why we get Juneteenth ice cream. Because somebody in a boardroom, somebody in a boardroom is looking and they're like, yo, she went from 60,000 followers to a million followers. And they're saying exactly what you're saying. Exactly. That's right. what I'm saying. Right. Because so she's getting thing? results. She's so, getting results. That's so, why she's doing it. So let me finish my thought. So in that same boardroom, they're going to take the same logic as Dr. Kyle. And they're going to be like, OK, so how do we engage? How does Walmart engage that audience? Let's let's put some some brown people in the commercial and have them twerking. Don't be mad. That's Listen. We can't have it both ways. We can't. But what I'm saying is that she's going to do, she's taking these measures because she wants to get into office. The same way, like the same example that you just used, if she's getting followers, her or whoever else, by doing these behaviors, yeah, absolutely. You know what? Walmart or whoever's going to jump on and say, hey, you know what? We want to get in on this because this appears to be what people are going in line with. It's not good by any means. Absolutely not. But I'm telling you, I imagine this is the reason why she did this, because guess what? Now her name is everywhere. And will she get reelected? I believe that she will. I believe she's going to be um, jobless. But dude. I mean, listen, folks, again, it's a new wave. It's a new wave of campaigning. No, you know why? Also, think about it. If I campaign, I do something extreme on TikTok. I get the votes, right? Or I get I get the attention. People are now looking at it because there are way more people on TikTok. It can go viral. It can be TikTok is not only now you can get it like on Reels, on, on Facebook, on Instagram. TikTok is like the biggest mode of advertisement and it's less money. 
she she didn't have to pay for that. But you know bro, what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but there are people that have been following politics for decades that will tell you that none of that matters because young people don't vote, bro. Like, depends- I, like, like, you could sit there and say that, but the research is the research. Younger people don't vote. So She's got a strong population. Nah, younger people don't vote. There's no debating that. And so to look at the, the platform that caters to the youngest of the youngest people and say, this is the new wave, I don't know. I'm not comfortable with that. I may not be a good comfort, but maybe in District Six and Ro- District Six in Rhode Island, she might have that vote. No, it might bro, be. I'm talking, I'm talking about in general. Young people don't vote, bro. That's pr- <laughs> been proven. It's not a debate. It's been proven for 50, 60 years. It's not. It's not something that people, if that politicians, the people debate. Let me ask Young you people this: People don't vote. Why do you think? Um, why Why do you think? Trump had Lil Wayne and he was parading all these other different hip hop stars but, up there in but, front of him. Because he thinks the black vote is cheap. And he and he thinks that he had a lot of black people voting for him. I'm just saying, like people are gonna are do you these. Seriously asking me that question? No, I'm telling you because unfortunately, politicians, young and old, are gonna find and do whatever it takes to get voted in. You know that, and I know that whether it's almost like you know, the the morals in anything else that goes out the window. And I feel like her doing this was a way for her to go. She knew the backlash was going to happen with this. This is why she has to stand on it. When you do something I, like this, I, yo, you have to stand on it. I don't know that she does, bro. I don't know. I think I, it was intentional. I don't know that she does because... I feel like this is trolling for her. I think that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying any of this is good at all. I'm just saying this tactic is a unique way for her to do it. And she knew she was going to get the backlash. Yo, she knew she was going to do all this. She's, she's out there. She has the... It's, um, it's. I think this is the lane that she's trying to go I, for. I expect most people to agree with you. I feel because like it's, it's unfortunate they will because a, they're not... We have a culture where Black people was explaining away what Bill Cosby did. Right. We have That's what I'm saying. Where it's like, yo... You, a kid could go out murdering a hundred people, and they'll be they'll be they'll be talking about his mama in school, right? Yeah. Not not saying that certain things aren't factors, but we have a culture that holds nobody accountable. I for agree. Anything. Right, I agree. Which and is it, why I feel like she did this intentionally. Where it's free everybody, no matter what they done did, it's At, free everybody. Perfect so, example, exactly. Free everybody, despite how many people they didn't kill, but. That's why I feel like this was an intentional tactic that she's utilizing. It's like, hey, let me let me do this and show X, Y, and Z, and people are going to come to her defense. And the fact that they blocked her on TikTok, now it's turned her into a martyr. Now it's like, oh, you should have did this. She's just being herself. She's blah, 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 blah. She I just, get it. Like, I, I respect your position. I understand it. But I'm, I'm a little, I ain't going to lie. I'm biased, and I'm a little bit dug into mine because of what it has taken for me to get to my position. And I think People that act like her set us back. They make it very, they make it harder for us. No, it's not helpful. Very honest. It's not helpful. People that behave like that make it harder for us, bro. No, I agree. Listen, it's not helpful. Like, it (laughs) absolutely is not helping as far as our legitimacy and our profession, things of that nature. I'm just saying, in regards to what she's trying to accomplish and getting reelected, I feel like that's the card. And she knows her district that I don't know how many votes are going to be necessary for her to get voted. But I'm feeling like she's going to play that card. Like, integrity goes out the window. You know that, and I know that in politics. People are going to do whatever they need to do to get reelected. And if that's what she felt like doing, because she felt like, you know what, this is going to lead to this, this is going to lead to that, blah, 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 blah. 
New Wave Jankers. You know, we, we, we'll we, see. We, we, I'll throw up the white flag on that one. We agree to disagree. <laughs> but, I, but I'm just, I'm going to continue to say, this is how you get Juneteenth ice cream, brother. Yeah, hey, man. Yeah. It's rough out there, you know? Anything but else? Again, like, our culture is cheap. And a lot, and, and this is a prime example of, it's not always the dominant culture selling our culture down the river, right? Because no, it's us. show me the person who's going to articulate and say, yeah, twerking brings in black voters and young voters. Nobody's going to say that because they would alienate the whole community. Nah, she's not going to say. This is why she she was very so articulate. and saying, so You know what she did? What did she do? She said misogyny. She used all these other different buzzwords to what? To rationalize and justify her behavior. Exactly. So she's playing the game. I mean, you know, I mean, I get it because again, she know that all of the black platforms is going is going to defend her. Right. That's what I'm saying. She's that's it's the game, bro. Unfortunately, that's that's. But again, right. This is why we have a lot of the problems that we like, have. Right? Like this is this comical. Is why, to this me. is why Will Smith can walk on stage and smack Chris Rock, and you got black people saying he was defending his girl. Right. That's why I said this is why for me when I saw it, this is comical. Like this is funny. Like I don't have an issue because to me this is a distraction to I don't know what her bills are because I don't live in Rhode Island. But it's like, all right, not necessarily someone that I would work, I might vote for if you're doing this. But again, I can see how people could be oh, no, misled and directed. No, she got listen, I said she's cool. I said it's good that it's an it's an impressive feat for her to be able to do that as a former gymnast. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, man. I, All right, Jay. Anything else before we get out of here, good bro? No, nah, I'm good, man. I, I listen. I thought that was going to be a three minute conversation, yo. You know, never. <laughs> yo, you caught never. me going with that one, yo. Yeah. Oh man. Tell you, listen. I'm absolutely going to follow the race, right? I'm going to follow her campaign. And I'm going to see. Him. We're going to revisit yeah, this know. one. We're going to revisit this. Sure that she's going to be getting a stimulus check next year. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get out of here again, appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate the support as we continue on this voyage. Um, continue to like, subscribe, shop mental health clothing.com as my guy Jay. All right, gotta do that. Gotta, it's a great fit. All right, absolutely support. Um, and that's all I got, Jay. Anything just want to thank everybody, um, you know, for taking the time to listen. You know, always you know, want to thank you for driving the ship, you know, being the host. Um, always appreciate, you know, our interactions, our verbal sparring, as we might say. There you go. Um, and that's about it. Um, you know, till next week, my brother. All right, sir.